Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 187. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend It Fintech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA 2019, the world's leading event in financial services innovation. It's going to be happening April 8th through 9th at Moscone West in San Francisco. We're going to be covering digital banking, blockchain, financial health, and of course, online lending, as well as other areas of fintech. There will be over 5,000 attendees, over 250 sponsors, and registration is now open. Just go to lendit.com to register. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Nima Gamsari. He is the CEO and founder at Blend. Now, Blend's a fascinating company. They are really a software company that has built a platform, a digital platform for simplifying the mortgage process. And they've actually, they've been very successful. They've got banks all the way up to the size of Wells Fargo down to community banks on their platform. And they're able to bring the mortgage process, interestingly, into a mobile device where people can complete the entire process on their device. So we talk about how they've done that. Uh, we talk about you know what's preventing mortgages from being processed in a more efficient way. We talk about how they're able to get a large bank like Wells Fargo on board. And we talk about their marketplace. They they have a, a new blend marketplace. Uh, we talk about anti-fraud and the addition of a very high-profile advisory board member that they recently added. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Nima. Thanks for having me, Peter. Okay, my pleasure. So I'd like to get this thing started by giving listeners a little bit of background about yourself. And why don't you, I'd like to actually to start, tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to the US and, and, uh, and also your professional background. Sure. So I was born in Iran and my family immigrated here in the 80s, uh, came here, became academics. I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio. And, you know, one of the things that I was, you know, very fortunate to see was the impact that buying a home can have. And my parents, they got a mortgage 20 years ago with very little money down, with almost no money in their savings to put any money down. And they're able to get that, uh, that mortgage 20 years ago. And now they're able to retire as a result. That house is fully paid off. It's an asset. They just sold it off and now they're able to retire. And so I guess it's kind of one of the things that's made me passionate about this industry is seeing my family directly impacted by it. And of course, there are millions of other stories like that. Mm-hmm. So then did the idea for Blend, is this something that germinated in your childhood or is this something that, you know, I know you've got, you've got a, a computer science degree from Stanford. When did you first think about the idea that was behind Blend? Well, I think almost nobody leaves college and says, I want to go build a mortgage technology company because <laughs> right. almost nobody in college has gotten a mortgage. And right. so, no, I definitely didn't. I think that I was at Stanford, I was getting my computer science degree. Um, you know, my sister had gone into financial services on like the trading side, sales and trading side, just before the crisis. And then 2008, when I graduated, it was just before the crisis hit. And I was considering between going to financial services and joining the company that she was, or one of the other companies out there in, in New York, or staying in tech. And it was a tough decision because I, I did really think that there was an opportunity on both sides. Um, but ultimately, I ended up staying in tech and saying, you know what, my, my, I got great advice from a fellow entrepreneur who turned to me and said, Nima, 
if you ever want to build anything great, you should probably stay around here and work in tech because you can't build things in New York, you know, caught in this web. Um, so anyway, anyway, I ended up joining a tech company here. It was, it was Palantir in 2008. It was a fantastic experience. And then right then, the entire financial services ecosystem started to collapse. You know, uh, Lehman Brothers went out of business. You know, City, all the others started to go back and go down. So I obviously looked like a genius because I hadn't made the decision to go out there just a few months earlier. I looked like mm-hmm. I predicted something, but really it was just luck. <laughs> and I was passionate about technology. And then this crisis, what, uh, Pound, a big part of Palantir's business right after the crisis was working with the financial service institutions on their mortgage books to help them find better alternatives to foreclosure. Um, and so that was how I got introduced into the space. Okay. So then, so you, you introduced to that and you saw obviously a lot of people lost their homes. Then what was, what did you actually do that when you started the company, what was sort of, what was the idea that, that, that really drove you to, to go and do this yourself? Well, as we were working with the financial services institutions on the, their mortgage books, I saw that there was basically everything that was being done in that space was being done using 20, 30, 40-year-old technology, and it was all paper-based. And it was really bad for consumers because when you're doing a bunch of paper-based things, it's not the modern experience that people are starting to expect. Um, it was bad for the lenders. It was high cost. It was something that they couldn't sustain as the other parts of the, the ecosystem were becoming more digital. And it was bad for the, the system as a whole because, you know, I think not to say that the, the crisis was caused by lack of technology, but, but technology creating transparency, especially around data instead of documents, would have made it so much harder to make mistakes or do all the things that ultimately led to a lot of loans not going through and being, you know, being as, as, as successful as they were. And so, so I, I felt like there was a real opportunity. And it was it, to, the, to the earlier point I made around why consumers or why college students don't leave college and go and build mortgage startups. I was in this unique position in 2012 when I saw this big opportunity, this big gap and this big impact. I felt like nobody else was going to do it if I didn't do it. And I felt like I, as a, as a technologist who had seen this space and really understood this space to some extent, would be able to go in and, and make a real impact by building a team and working with, with the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so let's just step back for a second. And why don't you just explain exactly what Blend does? Give us, give us sort of the elevator pitch. Sure. So, so what Blend does is we, you know, it starts with the consumer when they're first getting ready to apply for their, their loan. And instead of asking you for a bunch of documents as a consumer, we ask you to, if you want, to aggregate your data instead. And the benefit of this data over documents for consumers means that things can be done in a few taps for a consumer and all the information that's needed to underwrite you as, your, you as a, a loan holder would be in, you know, instantaneously collected by the lender using our software. We partner with lenders. We're not a lender ourselves. We offer software as a service to the lenders, the white-labeled solution or gray-labeled powered by Blend. And that technology then in real time evaluates the data, gives the consumer an approval, and then gives them a one-stop shopping list of here's the next seven or eight items you have to do to close this loan. And that's the idea is creating that one tap or close to one tap approval and then that one-stop shop for consumers. And, and I think that that's where sort of consumer behavior is driving across all different industries. But financial services will be, you know, I think pretty much all like that in the next five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed you said you said one tap and not one click. Is this, is this really optimized for mobile? Is that where most of the people are, are coming from? Yeah, and especially in certain segments, most of the traffic comes from mobile these days. In fact, I mean, when we started the company, 
people thought mobile didn't make any sense to focus on because it is such an important lending decision. It is such an important consumer life decision. But that doesn't mean it has to be a high friction decision. It should be a high, high, highly thought out process. It should be a lot of education in there. But it doesn't mean it should be a high friction process. And so making it so that it can be mobile friendly, you know, 56% of people on our platform who are age 30 to 40 apply using their mobile device. Like some, it's not much lower for the next age age band, and so and similar, especially with low income households. When we're talking about accessibility of credit, they are three times as likely to use a mobile device as a high income household, and it's because mobile devices are ubiquitous now. And being able to have a mobile uh, a mobile first experience means that there are certain populations that were previously really difficult to get to that now people can serve. And those people might not want to go into a branch and go and talk to a banker before they know what they can afford. Right, right. So I just I just want to dig in a little bit to the process so uh, all the listeners can understand it and I can understand it. So you you said you, you sort of aggregate data. When someone is applying for a loan on a blend-powered product, what are you actually doing? Are you are you connecting bank accounts? How are you able to, to sort of to aggregate the data? We connect to bank accounts. We connect to... The bureaus, we connect to um, payroll accounts, we connect to tax accounts, the IRS. And essentially the idea is, you know, the consumer shouldn't be, you know, messing with the data, the lender shouldn't be messing with the data. The data should come from a verified third party. And then be if it's machine readable instead of a document, we can evaluate it in real time. Mm-hmm. So like one example of this process would be in the old way, let's say you were applying for a mortgage at ABC Bank. And you go through as a consumer and they ask you for a bank statement, of course, right? They need to know that you have enough money to, to get the mortgage. And, and so they ask you for the bank statement. You provide the bank statement. A couple of days later, maybe somebody reads that bank statement, flags a few different items on there, checks to make sure the total balance is enough. And then for the items they flag, they go back to you a couple of days later with, hey, here's the items that I need from you, Peter, in order to finish this loan. And they send you an, an e-sign or worse, a, an actual signed, physically signed document they need from you. And then a couple that you send that, you do the work on that, you send that back to them a couple days later. And this is why the mortgage process becomes so frustrating. There's hundreds of examples of these things. And then with blend, the alternative, the better, you know, the new age way of doing this is, and not everyone is forced to aggregate their data, but the ones that want to can. But the new age way of doing this is a consumer shows up, they connect their account for their bank account, for instance. Uh, We in real time verify the assets that are in the account to make sure they're enough. In addition to, we extract income streams that are in that asset statement and we verify it with the consumer in real time. And then we also look for things that might be the anomalies that a bank might look for a week or two weeks later. So for instance, you're not supposed to have large deposits in your bank account that are loans from friends and count that towards your down payment. Because another loan that counts towards your down payment kind of increases the amount that you're being loaned. And so it doesn't, it needs to be accounted for properly. And so if we flag those things in real time, instead of an underwriter finding it a week, two weeks later, we can have the consumer explain it in real time. We can have the underwriting team get a, a certified document that tracks who and when that was found, where, where and when that was found, and, and who, who signed for it, et cetera, and then have that filed over in the right folder behind the scenes. There's no, there's no loss of information, and there's a full audit trail. And so creating that one tap um, consumer aggregation and then one tap of all the anomalies that need to be tracked in a mortgage process in real time in our system is, is part of the intelligence that we hope to bring to the process more broadly. Okay. And then, and so what about like the, the documents that oftentimes, you know, you have to, you have to go through this, you know, this anti-fraud, you know, there's certain things that, you know, the, the process requires, 
Is that all like a mobile experience? Can, like, can you take a photo of your driver's license and, and send that in or how, how does it work? Yeah, so we, we have a whole marketplace of providers that provide things like identity verification to ensure that the person who says, um, who says that, that they're this person is actually that person and that's mobile friendly. We have the ability to take photos and, and, and grab a driver's license and then scan that in. We have the ability to, and, and by creating this more marketplace approach, we enable these third-party providers who are providing these services to integrate against a standardized platform that's being used by a huge amount of the industry and then have that technology innovation happen much faster. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, it's still, you know, when you talk to people today buying a house, most people are having this still, this sort of six to eight week nightmare that's uh, that, that's sort of uh, extremely stressful. How long do you think it's going to be before that nightmare is over for the vast majority of consumers? And they're going to be in a more, you know, a, a digital stream where it can, maybe you can close in less than a month. Well, how long is that? Uh, how long do you think it'll be before that happens? So I think the key, the key inflection point for when mortgages become the timeline compresses greatly. There's probably two that I that are top of mind for me. The first one is when there's enough adoption of this data instead of documents, because then the information around assets, income, credit, employment are evaluated in real time. And that is a huge compress. We see that compressing the timeline up to 20 days with some of our customers who are doing this in real time, what they call an instant decision. And that's huge. And that's a big, big part of it. And then the other part on the collateral is how do we get smarter and smarter about how we evaluate the value of collateral such that, you know, an appraisal that typically took, you know, seven to 10 days to get back, we could have back sooner. How do we get a better marketplace for that? How do we find better information for the, to say we maybe don't need an appraisal in some smaller number of cases and over time make that more of a digital process. And so I think that there's just these two major bullets. And if we can solve both here at Blend, we can cut the time down to the the minimum required by law. Right, right. Which I think is what seven days, ten days. I can't. Like it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty short, isn't it? There you could have a, a mortgage in ten days. Yeah, ten days. Right. Yeah, that will be that will be nice. So so then, who are? Can you tell us just some examples of who are some of the banks or non banks for that matter that you're that you're working with today? We work. We did about two hundred thirty billion in mortgage applications last year. We work with banks ranging from small credit unions to some of the biggest banks in the world. Uh, Wells Fargo uses us, U.S. Bank, down to small, you know, sort of credit unions and independent mortgage banks. And we we aim to be a system that's sort of able to serve the entire ecosystem. Hmm. I imagine it's a pretty different. I mean, a small community bank or credit union is going to be different to Wells Fargo. I, I imagine when you're implementing this process. So, so just I want to just talk about Wells Fargo for a second. I mean, are you are you if, if if I go and apply for a loan at Wells Fargo today, will that be using the Blend technology, or is it just a subset of what they're doing? If you go and apply on their website, you would be using Blend. Okay, okay, but I guess there's lots of people. If you're applying in branch in person, that's that that's probably their their old system. I, I take it. And it, it sort of depends by by channel how how it's being used. So how what was it like? I mean, how did you how did you get a bank like Wells Fargo you know, to to get over the line and and say right we we need your technology? I mean, they could have built it themselves. Clearly, they um you know they, they, I'm sure this wasn't a this wasn't a, an easy exercise for you. So just tell us a bit about that process. So I think I, there was a there was a big shift that happened in. 
banks, and I don't know exactly why or the exact moment it happened, but sometime in the last seven or 10 years, there's been a greater desire within the banking ecosystem of wanting to partner with financial services technology companies like ours. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think part of the reason is because the rate of change of consumer behavior has gotten so great that speed has become king. And so if we can divvy up the work, you do this part, I do this part, then we can necessarily be faster than the alternative. And so I think that there's been a great shift towards the partnership model, which is very appreciated from, I think, both sides of the equation. I don't want to have to go and build a lender. And I don't think, you know, as a bank, you want to necessarily have to build all of your own technology anymore. I think it's there are parts that are really worth using out of the box. And that's the parts that we aim to, to, to build and make available to the, to the marketplace. And so a lot of it has been first aligning on that, you know, here, you know, here's what it takes to partner. Here's what the good, a good division of responsibility is. And here's how we can get to our end goal the fastest together. And, and aligning on speed of execution, aligning on iteration, aligning on not heavy customization because customization becomes a bit of a depreciating asset where now you have something that is being used that is no longer being supported because it's custom by definition. And so how do you continue to, to grow when that's the case? And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that need to be philosophically aligned on to partner with a financial service institution or vice versa for a financial service institution to, to, to partner with a fintech. But getting aligned on those things first and upfront has been critically important because without that alignment, I think we would have ended up, you know, sort of dying of indigestion as a, as a small company. Right, right. So do you think, I mean, do you think in, in, in 10 years' time, um, this is sort of going back to the question I asked before, but do you think in 10 years' time it will be impossible to walk into a branch and, and take out a loan or do you think that that's really going to take out, you know, taking out a mortgage loan? Do you think that's really going to, going to take a lot longer than 10 years for that to disappear? You know, I don't, I would, Peter, I would say that that's probably not the goal, right? I mean, you know, if you go into the Apple store, there's this genius bar, there's people who are helping you, there's great ability to understand the products better. And granted, these are physical products versus digital products. But I think that the physical retail world in some ways is just changing. It's becoming, I think, more consumer first and finding those, those really, I guess, I mean, if I had to back up a second, the thing that I'm focused on is there's a really large spectrum of consumer behavior, many of whom want to talk to a human and want to talk to a human in their way of talking to a human, whether it's in person or over the phone or on an online chat. And I don't think that that's going to change whether it's you're buying an iPhone or you're buying, getting a mortgage or buying a home or whatever it is. I think that, that spectrum is going to exist forever and maybe not forever, but for a long, long time. And we want to be the ones to enable that spectrum of behavior to be satisfied by the institution to use our software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So I want to talk a bit about uh, some of the things that you've that has happened at Blend in recent uh, in recent months. You you launched the Blend Marketplace um, last year. So why don't you ex- explain what that initiative is and what what you're trying to achieve and 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 the, and the traction that you're getting. Well, I think one of the things that we have realized as we've gotten a lot of penetration into the the FIs has been that you know we do a lot of volume. It was a lot of money, a lot of time it took to get those FIs on our system and, and continue to grow them. And we realized that we can't, we as the technology company can even no longer to build, uh, no longer keep up with the demand of things that want to be built against our system. We were getting approached by partners 
constantly saying, hey, can you integrate this thing? Can you integrate this signing technology? Can you integrate this closing technology? Can you integrate this data source? Can you integrate this credit provider? And there's so much that's happening in this, in this world now. There's so much innovation that's happening. I didn't want to be the bottleneck and I didn't want to have to have our team build everything anymore for the things that, and I realized partnership was the best strategy, similar to what I talked to the banks about, similar for us was how do we create a better set of partnerships and how do we enable our partners to do um, the thing that they do best, which is innovate and not be bottlenecked by us on our roadmap, on our product roadmap. And so we created this marketplace to enable precisely that, the ability for a third party to, who was interested in integrating with Blend uh, an open set of APIs and around certain parts of the process where they can build a, an essentially an app and make it available to our customer base in a standardized way. And hopefully that means that they're going to get in more doors, they're going to work with more lenders. And, and, and also for us, it means our customers are going to get more value. And for our customers, it means their customers, the consumers are, are, are happier because the process is more connected and simpler. So can you give us some examples of the type of, the type of companies that are in the marketplace? Sure. So we have a, a number of CRMs that, that connect to Blend. You know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of different banks use different ways of managing their customer relationships. And so information asymmetry is not a good thing. You want to have the same information in both systems. The CRMs are connected through our marketplace so that the data that's in one shows up in the other and vice versa, as an example. Also, some of the, the lead gen providers, the, the online marketplaces that, that then point out to or, or link out to our lenders, from their online you know, search tools, like LendingTree, they connect to Blend. Credit providers, there's so many different credit agencies out there. We want to be able to support them for our customer base. They're connected on our marketplace as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but interestingly, you you also launched, I was reading, uh, an, ex- an insurance agency last year. Rather, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that you chose to, I'm curious to know why you chose to do that as opposed to just adding them into your marketplace and connecting there. So, and is this just a, is this a standalone business or are you really just, is this really to be offering uh, insurance as a, inside the blend software? Well, and that is, that is actually done through partnership as well. The insurance marketplace is done through partnership as well, Peter, where we partner with a number of carriers and we show them as a marketplace to the consumer at the right point in the process. We do not do this as a standalone. We only do this as part of the mortgage process. Right. Because we want to make it make it streamline the mortgage process for our customers and their customers, and we are you know sort of the, the mechanics of being able to create a marketplace like that is we have to become a licensed agency, and so we did that, and then okay. we created the partnerships, got them in the marketplace. Now a consumer can go in and in a couple taps get a full quote for insurance from a number of carriers and create kind of the best possible experience for them. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I want to talk about anti-fraud for a minute because there, you know, whereas you know, in the, in the financial crisis, anyone, you, know, you could, you could lie on your lay, even call them lie alones. I think uh, you could sort of lie on your application about what, how much money you earned and, and that sort of thing. And I'm not so much talking about fraud as far as someone's trying to really, you know, steal money, but they're trying to get a mortgage that they really don't qualify for. So how are you, how are you combating that today with your software? Well, and I think, you know, you know, to, to the credit of the, the system that's in place now, it is very, very difficult to, to get a loan that you're not qualified for because there's so many requirements around verifying assets, income, credit, et cetera, that are required to be done now, which we're not 
necessarily required to be done before. Mm-hmm. The problem that that's created is that's created a lot of overhead. I shouldn't even say overhead. A lot of human capital because it's technology powering that for most lenders. And so what that means is a lender is most mostly before it was you would collect a bunch of documents and read through it and then flag things and go back and forth and, and like the process I mentioned earlier. And the problem with that approach is there's still some possibility of fraud because those can be altered. And so if somebody doesn't catch something and reading through the documents or catch an inconsistency between your pay stub and your bank statement, you know, maybe there's a, there's a possibility that there's still some fraud. Now, what we do is we go and we get the data from the source and we, it's not adulterated by the consumer or the lender. It's, it's purely third-party data that shows up in blend and can't be changed. And I think that's a huge. I think that's a huge benefit because it, it not only is it cheaper and, and a better experience, but it, it's it, because it can't be changed. We can be really sure that the data is the data that that is it that that should be used to underwrite that loan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I want to I want to talk about a big name that you that I read that has uh, it's joined your advisory board, Jack Lou, who is a, a former Treasury Secretary, certainly a, a very significant name in the world of finance. How did you get him interested into you know joining a company like yours? You know, well, somebody who I think we had a shared belief that the cri- after the crisis that things could be better. He had a very different view. Obviously, we came from a different perspective where he has a very policy perspective on things and I have a very technology perspective. And I was introduced to him through an investor and we talked about some of these things and it just felt like a really good fit and something that he could help us accelerate in terms of understanding how to fit it in with some of the aspects of other constituents in the industry, policy, et cetera. So we had, a, I think it was a, we had a common, I guess, vision for how things could be and we we're able to come to an understanding that it'd be good to work together. So then are you like, I'm curious about the policy piece. Is that, is he helping you, you know, navigate that world? And because certainly there's, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, Washington uh, has still, you know, there's still got, you know, Dodd-Frank and all sorts of other things in place that are impacting, you know, impacting the, the mortgage industry. So is he, is he helping you navigate that world or what, is there something specific that he's working on? I guess the, from a high-level perspective, Blend as a company has been paying attention to compliance and policy for since we were founded because it is such mortgage is such a regulated space. Sure. And again, we use so much volume that we have to, and our customers won't won't even use our product if we don't. Where he's really helpful with us right now is we have a few kind of special projects that we're working on that will be incredibly impactful. Technology projects that will be incredibly impactful if successful, and are also. I guess, somewhat complicated from a policy perspective in, in, a, in a good way, right? Like these are things that, that will be really, really good for consumers and really good for, for, for all sorts of constituents in, 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 in the industry, but we need to find a way to navigate all that. And that's where, I, where he's been really valuable. Right, right. Got it. Okay, so you, I think you mentioned, you mentioned this earlier, but I, I'd love to know sort of, you can tell us, tease a little bit out about the scale you're at today, how many employees you have, I mean, how many mortgage applications you're processing. I'm also, I'm, I'm curious even about what, what percentage of U.S. mortgages are going through blend systems now. Do you, have, do you have some of that info? Yeah, we do about, we did about $230 billion last year. I think we'll do a multiple of that this year because we have a number of customers who are scaling up in terms of mortgage applications. Um, our customers represent more than 25% of the mortgage market. 
we had our best, you know, despite I think there's like some macro things that interest rates, things like that, that are that are in flux. Um, despite that, we had our best volume weeks ever in the first couple weeks of this year already, which is fantastic to see our lenders uh, thriving in, in a difficult environment. We have 350 employees spread from the West Coast to the East Coast, mostly in San Francisco, although we have a pretty big New York presence. And we're, we're growing pretty quickly and uh, hopefully we can find a way to continue to scale and grow our impact at the pace that we have up till now. So then are you looking are you looking beyond mortgages into there's obviously lots of other lots of other verticals I mean mortgages are, are the biggest but there's there's clearly other places that uh, that could use some improvements in in how loans are processed so what are you are you looking at other verticals as we've you know as we've started to work with and become the trusted partner for these banks I, I've absolutely started to hear that there's a lot of applicability to of the things that we do around data verification, understanding you know the consumer's credit in real time, that would apply to other aspects of consumer finance, other aspects of consumer lending. And so, we've started to understand and, and, and get a perspective that that our product and platform could be valuable in those areas, and started to expand. We launched Home Equity last year. We launched some other products end of this end of last end of last year as well. And we're hoping to continue to expand. I think there's a lot of overlap between underwriting a consumer and one tap for a mortgage and all the other products. And we think we can serve the institutions across all their needs. Sure. Because, I mean, I, I mean, in some ways, like the mortgage loan is the most complicated. You could certainly, you know, it would be easier, I imagine, even to do an auto loan or, uh, you know, home equity obviously is still very, very much, a, a, you know, a real estate product. But there's, I could see, Many different, many different ways. But anyway, we're we're just a bit out of time. So, last question. I'm I'm curious about what are you most excited about for this year? What's what's on tap for Blend in 2019? Most excited for Blend 2019 is we are going to have the first one tap consumer approval for a mortgage, and that's a full verified approval, I believe, in 2019, which will be a fantastic moment for I think hopefully the whole industry. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also excited to, you know, as we've gotten deeper into the process, we're going to have our first end-to-end workflow done in blend, meaning every aspect of not necessarily the back office aspects, which are handled by loan origination systems, but everything the consumer has to do all done in one system. And that's a, there's a lot of moving pieces from the application to approval to you know, the loan estimate to the appraisal and title and insurance to the closing disclosure to the closing itself. There's a lot of components to that and getting that all together has has pretty much never been done before um, for consumers. And so we're we're excited that that's going to happen. We think it's going to happen this year. That is fascinating. Fascinating indeed. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck and I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Nima. Yeah, thank you so much, Peter. Okay, see ya. You know, Blend are doing some really amazing work. There's no question about that. And it's interesting that Nima said about the bank branch question I asked whether it would be possible to take out a mortgage in a bank branch. And, you know, I think sometimes those of us in fintech, myself certainly included, we tend to forget that people still want face-to-face interactions and doing it online is not the right way for, not the preferred way for everybody to, to operate, even though it may be more efficient, even though it certainly will be more convenient 
people like person-to-person contact. And I think, you know, something to keep in mind as we build all these wonderful automated systems that the, the human touch, the personal contact is something that uh, is still very much treasured by, by a good percentage of the population. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA 2019, the world's leading event in financial services innovation. It's happening April 8th through 9th at Moscone West in San Francisco. It's going to be the largest fintech event held in the Bay Area in 2019. We'll be covering online lending, blockchain, digital banking, and much more. You can find out all about it and register at lendit.com.